Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name is Paul Joy and I'm delighted to present to you another conversation with a Yarra old grammarian, a yog. Today I get to sit down with Alex Obradovic from the class of 2014. We're going to uncover some memories, some interesting experiences that he had at school. Alex is now an astrophysicist, still in training, but also working in the field. And I'm going to ask him, what do you do as an astrophysicist? And where do you do it? We're also going to unpack one key thing that Alex believes is important, an ingredient, an attribute to try and develop in young people, and and maybe even more so critical to develop as we leave school and into our life beyond. We're wrapped that you've been able to join us today, and I'm going to begin our conversation today by asking him about his first memories of school. Ooh, early memories. Um... I don't remember much from the first half of high school because my memory is just terrible, but um, probably the first few days were my favourite because we had a friendship tutorial with our tute group and that's where I made some of the friends that I still have today. Fantastic. So uh, feel free to name names if you want to, but so you met some people early year eight and they continue to be your friends now. Yeah, so I've got quite a close circle with uh, Liam Morecambe and Stephen Pythas and I'm still friends with them. Fantastic. And do you think it was because of the connection that you made in those early tute times or was it you think you might have found each other anyway? Um, I'm not too sure because I moved a bit later. They were already friends um, and I definitely got introduced to them through that tute activity, but I think I would have drifted into that group anyway. So what sorts of, uh, what were the people, who were the groups that you used to hang around with while you were at school? And how do you think that influenced who you have become today? Uh, good question. I think our year level was a little bit different because and I'm sure everyone in my year level would agree on me saying this is that we were a very inclusive group. So while there were smaller groups, you could comf- anyone could comfortably walk around and hang out with any of them and be welcome, which was really nice. And our whole year level still sometimes gets together outside school and we'll have a party and it's great fun. That's a special connection that you have with a year level that's probably 100 plus. Yeah, I think we had 112. Yeah, and and yet there's a familiarity there and a, and a, a re- mutual respect there that says, absolutely, you are one of us and and you, you can be welcome in our group at, at for this time. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful that's a lot thing. That's what it was like. It was great. That is good. That is good. And where on the school grounds, maybe it's a particular building, maybe it's outside, was there somewhere that holds particular memories for you? Where did you used to hang? Hang? It changed every year level because, you know, you get moved through the different parts of Yarra. Um, but I spent a lot of time around the theatre and music rooms, which was usually a bit more quiet and out of the way, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you spend some time on stage? Yeah, so I did VCE music mm-hmm. as part of my year 12 class and I actually had to perform at assembly one of my recital pieces, which is terrifying. And what was your instrument of choice? The clarinet. Okay. And did you play in some orchestras and, and perhaps for some shows, things things like that? 
Yeah, so I was in one of the jazz bands. I played saxophone and then I was clarinet in the orchestra and the concert band. So it was lots of fun. We got to go to New Zealand on that trip, which I think they still do today. I think we were the first group to go over there and do it. Ah, trailblazers. Yeah, we were the trial. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems you did a very good job because it is still a trip that runs from time to time now. Yeah, well, it was fantastic and everyone had a great time. What is it about music, and and perhaps it's an experience like that, um, that there's a, there's appears to be a special bond between musicians, whether it's because you, I don't know, you, you have to practice so hard together in a group, you rely on each other when you're performing in a group. What is, there's something about musicians that's pretty special. Hmm. I think I think musicians are just different to a lot of the other people at school. So, you know, they kind of have to get along. <laughs> If they want to, like, all musicians hang out and they're all friends, and that's because their interest is so specialised. It's it's harder to have really strong friendships with people that don't get that. And does it matter if, can, I mean, can you be friends with a someone who plays the guitar as opposed to somebody who plays the trombone, who plays the harp? Does the instrument matter? Oh no. So um, one of the friends that I'm still in contact with and good friends with now is Pat Smeedley who plays bass, but, you know, his housemate is a drummer and they're best friends and, you know, not the same instrument and they still get along great because it's the type of music that they like. I understand. And and this might be controversial and we might actually cut this out, but you calling a drummer a musician? (laughs) Yes, yes. Drummers can be musicians. They can be. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. That's very good. So so you spent some time in the music uh, area both clearly having to spend some time in the practice room as well as performing? Yes. Yep. Did you have a preference? I definitely preferred practicing than True. performing. Yep. Okay. Because is that a nerve thing? Like there's, you know, I get my one chance to play this live and, and this is my audience or what's the difference between rehearsal versus the real deal? I think for me, and this applies to a lot of other aspects in my life, is that you get the satisfaction out of practicing that you work hard at something and then you can do it. And you see bits of that reward through practicing and getting better. There might be some part of a song you can't play and then you sit there for an hour practicing and practicing and then you get it and you're satisfied and it's great. And that's what I looked forward to. But performing, you know, the audience doesn't see that and it's not the same satisfaction. Once once you've practiced it and mastered it, you you know, it's done for you. And then if you get up and play it and everyone enjoys it, you don't have that satisfaction of, you know, you go, oh, I can still do it, but it's not what you get, the instant reward. I, I get that. That 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 makes sense. I never, never experienced it or considered it like that, but that makes really good sense. Yeah. It's, it's definitely probably a lot different for real musicians. I mean, I don't play anymore, um, but a, a lot of musicians love the thrill of being on stage and you know, people enjoying it, which is their goal, whereas mine was probably more personal. Yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, And not that I've necessarily spent a lot of time performing on stage, although I do have the opportunity to, in a sense, perform on stage, but I, I I guess my energy from the response and if people seem to understand or connect with what I'm trying to share, then that's my reward. I also appreciate what you're saying is that actually you've already got your reward before you're on stage. Yeah, definitely. I love that perspective. That's really fascinating. Time in music. Um, and you, Now, do you regret not continuing with music? Um, sometimes, yeah. 
and I think it's something I would like to take up again, but it's a matter of time. Yes. So it is something, is it, that, that is still available to you that, that you could pick up the clarinet and kind of, I mean, maybe a bit rusty, but... I tried picking it up a year ago and I could still play and still read music, but I definitely lost a lot yes. of it. But well, maybe I, I could op- easily teach myself back up to yes, the, you, to the state that I was. Because you've got the basis, base there. Yeah. And then you, you pick it up and, and away you go. Again. Yeah, for sure. But it would still take time and effort and dedication. Uh, it'd probably take a year or two. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it is quite a commitment. Yeah. Right. Tell me a little bit about um, the academic base that perhaps you built while you are here at Yarra. Did you enjoy being in the classroom? I did enjoy being in the classroom here, but I don't think I had a solid academic foundation when I left. And that's not because of the education at Yarra. I just think that academic in particular is something that occurs at different times for people. And I don't think I really learnt how to learn or how to study, etc., and build that foundation until maybe a year and a half ago, which was you know, it's four years out of high school. Yeah. That's a fascinating and, and both a mature and an educated perspective on the notion of learning. Yeah. Um, that you can actually leave a great school and still not yet know how to learn. Yeah, definitely. That's a fairly um, powerful truth. Yeah, I think, I think parents put a lot of their pressures on, a lot of the pressure on schools and kids to have that outcome by the time they finish school. Um, and it, you know, it's not the case for most people. So would we go for, so far as to say that school did prepare you for the next step of your learning journey? Learning journey in terms of academia. I mean, I got the basics of how to read and I could write and all of that, which definitely helped me communicate and learn in future. But I think where Yarra, um, peaked for me educational-wise was more of the the lessons about, you know, friendship and life that was more important for me out of Yarra. Hmm. And and some would say, and, and I might even tend to agree with them, more important for you but probably just more important. Yeah, definitely. Those life skills and those interpersonal skills are critical. Yeah, I don't think I would have got or have I don't think I would have been as good at those if I was somewhere else. So I'm really glad that I learnt that at Yarra. Yeah, terrific, terrific. So where is that somewhere else? What, where have you gone? You've, so you finished in 2014. What did you do next? I started biomed at RMIT. Okay. So biomedicine? Yes, a biomedical yep. degree. And you weren't yet sure how to learn. Yes. And yet I imagine, and, and excuse my ignorance, but you've got to be pretty clever to go into that sort of field, don't you? I don't think so, No. Okay. I'm not a strong believer that um, intelligence is reflected in VCE. Okay. And so I got the VCE score, which I needed to get into that degree. And is that what you were aiming for? Yeah. Okay. So I had a poor attitude in year 12 and I realised to get into that degree, I only needed one maths unit, biology, and a score of 75. So I dropped all the hard units I was doing and did art and got that score because I thought I'd have a great time in VCE and still get that score, which I did, but I dropped you know, the units that were probably more useful. Um, and then because I hadn't worked out how to learn, I started bio and really, really struggled yeah. and dropped out halfway through. Okay. So that wasn't part of the plan? No, not at all. No. Now, 
Equally, I can hear way down in the distance there are some artists who are screaming at their listening device at the moment as they listen to you. Would you say that art was also hard work? Oh, for sure, definitely. I think, you know, one of the things I liked about Yarra um, is this other skill I got out of being here is that Yarra celebrated art, music, sport and academia very equally. Um so no, the art the art was definitely harder, but it was something, the reason I picked it over sciences was because I enjoyed it more. And, you know, I wasn't going to do the academic subjects that were harder for me when I could do the fun ones I enjoyed. Sure, yeah. sure. That's fair enough. And and there is certainly a, a, a good case to be had for pursuing what you enjoy to do. Yes, definitely. And it worked for you. It at did. that point, at that point, <laughs> because you've gone into biomedicine and yes. you didn't have the have the base for you to be able to pursue that at the time, at least. Yes. So you've dropped out partway through, not part of the plan. What did you do then? I didn't know what to do actually, so I went and worked for six months in hospitality, mm-hmm. and I ended up managing a restaurant, which so it was a decent job, yep. a lot of work, yep. um, and I kind of used that time to work out what I really wanted to do. I thought for a while it would be down the arts path. So I did a lot of art um, at home, but I didn't want to turn it into a career. Yeah. So that became a, a choice. You you consciously chose, I'm not going to pursue this to put food on the table. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. What did you choose? So you've gone six months biochem, said, no, nah, that's not for me become in hospitality and risen to management. So clearly you've got people skills there as well as being able to uh, manage people and and Mm, whatever. Yeah. Some good skills coming out there. You've got the opportunity. It's the beginning of another new year. Yeah. Do you sign up for something now? I do, but last minute. (laughs) So I still hadn't worked out what I wanted to do a week before uni started the year after. Um, And what I'd realised was that what I wanted to do in my spare time was watch YouTube videos on science and physics. And I was enjoying that. Right. So there's this great channel called SciShow Space that, you know, posts a few minute podcasts like videos every few days on space news and science. And um, what ended up happening was I just clicked and it went, well, if I'm going to do this in my free time, why don't I just do it at uni where when I get homework, it's not going to be homework for me. Yeah, it's, again, going back to something you enjoy and you're probably going to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. Wow. How does one turn watching videos on YouTube about something you enjoy, like space, into something that actually might build into a career? What, What are you now studying? So at the end of June this year, I'll have a science degree with majors in astrophysics and mathematics. Okay. So astrophysics, that yes. sounds fancy. <laughs> Can you tell me what, what does an astrophysicist do? Okay. so And where do they do it? At a university in a tiny office in front of a computer generally. Um, but the study of astrophysics is the physics of space. So, you know, why does the sun produce nuclear fusion? What are the fluid mechanics inside stars that accommodate this? how do galaxies form, why do they look the way they do, et cetera, things like that. Have you found any answers? Not yet. Not more yet. questions than answers. More questions, which is exciting because okay. there's more things to look at. It's a certain personality, though, that 
that likes the idea of continuing to search and and discover new questions without having actually found answers yet. Yeah, yes, for sure. So that that's an ongoing process, which perhaps comes right back to your notion earlier of that you didn't necessarily know how to learn or who you your best form of learning while you're at school, but you have developed that. Yes. And so you're a big believer in lifelong learning. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think one of the reasons I want to stay in academia is because I want to continue learning for the rest of my life. And obviously there's going to be people that say you don't have to be in academia, which I agree. That's something I've considered is maybe doing a mechanics course in 10 years. And that's just because I have no idea how a car works and I would love to learn. Mm. So I don't, you know. Yeah, you don't want to be a mechanic, but you'd like to learn how. Exactly. Because learning is actually what stimulates you. Yeah. So I'm very curious about a lot of things and I'd be more than happy to go ahead and learn that regardless of if it can put food on the table just as a skill. Fascinating. That's yeah. that's really exciting. Now, you also have an interest in astrophotography. Yes. What is that and how? Do, what does that look like? What does that look like? Um, so as I was deciding to start this degree at Monash, I, um, there was a picture I saw of some stars and nebula and I realised it wasn't taken by NASA. There was the image author on the bottom of the image and I looked up the person and it was just an average person. Um, and I thought, hang on, I didn't realize you could take these pictures. I thought it was only NASA that did. So I did some investigations and you can take amazing pictures of the stars with a telescope in your backyard. So I invested in that and I now have a remote imaging setup that, um, is essentially like a mini observatory. And I use that to take pictures of space. From your own backyard? Yeah. Well, at the minute it's portable. So I usually drive up past Bendigo to a dark sky site where there's not a lot of light pollution and use it there. Right. Have you had any of your uh, photographs published? Published in magazines or anything? Uh, Not as such, mainly because I just can't be bothered to post them to those competitions. But a lot of my friends, so there's groups of us that do this and they have all had theirs published and they always encourage me to do it as well. But... But again, that's not why you do it. Exactly. It's not the acclamation or the adoration of, oh, what a wonderful photo. For you, it's the the process of actually working out how to take such a good photo. Yeah, exactly. So it goes back to your music rehearsal. Rehearsal is more important, nailing it there, than the performance. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Mm. You're an intriguing young man. <laughs> We're speaking with uh, Alex Obradovic from the class of 2014. Alex, I wonder whether you might reflect for a moment and whether you remember our school motto. Do you remember our school motto, motto Lavavi Oculus? Yeah. So Do you know what it means? Thanks for saying it because I didn't remember the – it's Latin, yes. Latin is I didn't right. remember how to say it in Latin, but it does mean we lift up our eyes, yes. I think. Yes. yes. So if I offer that to you, whether you put yourself and put your uniform back on and consider yourself as a student or maybe even now with some years of experience and some, you know, life skills around you now, what does it mean to lift up your eyes? Uh, to lift up your eyes, look forward, you know, don't, don't look down hmm. or just at what's local, I guess I would take it as. So yeah. Look out for more. Yeah. Yeah. Now put your 
astrophotography hat on. <laughs> and what does it mean to lift your eyes? Yeah, look at the stars. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. Because that's actually what you've really, more than anybody, uh, you've taken that to heart and, and you are fascinated by what's going on up there and out there. Mm, definitely. And what's the big new discovery that we're just on the cusp of? Is there anything out there that we can listen out for, look out for that, that you know is there but we haven't yet kind of, it hasn't infiltrated back to the common folk like us? Ooh, yes. Uh I mean, for me, it seems like trivial knowledge, but whenever I seem to tell other people, it's it's missed to them. So I'm going to repeat it again. Um, quite a few years ago, there was this detector built called LIGO, which is a gravitational wave observatory. And it won the Nobel Prize a couple of years ago for confirming Einstein's theory of general relativity, which was great. And since then, they've built another two. So there's three of these around the world. And what they are able to detect is black holes or dead stars spinning around each other very fast and then colliding. And that event warps the fabric of space-time and sends ripples out like in a pond. And when those ripples pass Earth, those detectors notice it. Um, And that's informed a lot of scientific discoveries since. And it comes back online. I mean, it's already back. So what they do is they observe for a certain part of the year and shut down and then they upgrade the machines and they turn them back on. And I think earlier this month they all switched back on. And every time they've been on, there's been an influx of scientific discoveries. Um, What it allows us to do is these events are very hard to find with an optical telescope. So when things collide and explode, you only see the explosion for a very brief time. And if you're not looking at the right spot at the right time, you miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the LIGO detector tells us there's an event, we can look at it and start learning about it straight away because we know where it is and that it's happening. Right. Do do you know it before it's about to happen? Like as it's about to happen, there's something that changes in the vibrations giving you a nudge to say, look at me, look at me. Yeah, we start to see the signal as they're in-spiralling and then once they collide, the signal disappears. But we can't look at them that quickly because the people using the machines have to say, yes, this is real, it's happened, we'll tell everyone. Mm -hmm. And by the time... Us, the astronomers, get the message, it's happened. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But the, and am I right, you, you said sound waves? No, gravitational waves. Gravitational waves. So there's some, some uh, meter that's, that's giving you a sense that something's about to happen. Yes. And then those sound, those same gravitational waves record data as well at the moment of the event too. Yeah, so they kind of switch off when it happens. Okay. It'd be like, um, I guess a good analogy for what it's like is if you put your hand in the middle of a trampoline but don't push down and then you gently start tapping it and then tapping it harder and harder and the fabric starts to wobble more and then when they collide you kind of smack it and lift your hand off and then it just, it ripples out and it's flat again. Yeah, okay, Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the things that this has taught us? Like this is new technology. 
Yes. And and so you said that all of a sudden there's this influx of information and a confirmation of things. Yes. As a result, what are a couple of things that we might know about? Um, a cup. So a lot of it hasn't trickled down yet to not the normal public. It's very specific to astrophysics and right. you know the confirmation of theories and you know we were seeing these explosions but not knowing what they were. Um, so the biggest one was we can definitely say that you know when we hear this signal we know it. That's that. But that's very astrophysics related. Yes. What might trickle down to the general public is the way the LIGO instrument was built. So the mere, what they have to be able to do is detect a shift of light that is the size of an electron. Mm -hmm. So that's a vibration which is the size of an electron, which is tiny. Yes. Like it's so small. And what they had to do to be able to get that sensitivity is design all of this new equipment, mirror coatings, anti-vibration technology, because you can imagine even if you walked anywhere near it, you're going to produce a lot more noise and signal than what we're trying to detect. Because what you're trying to detect is so far away, yeah. like ridiculously yeah, far this, away. We can't. The signal we get, the warping of time we detect is the size of an electron. Right. So if there's any movement anywhere around this instrument, you, you'll never be able to see it yeah. because the other signals are so dominant. That's right, yes. Yeah. So the very fact that somebody's been able to design and create and actually make this thing work yeah. is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. Yeah, okay. How is that going to change society as we know it? Change society. Not necessarily the information that we're getting but the, the technology that they've been able to isolate this so, you know, that fine-tuned uh, mechanics of that is is amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. So does that does that have repercussions down the line? Ways that they can use that technology in other ways? I'm sure there will be, but it's just not evident yet. It's so new. Yeah. So for example, like we wouldn't have X-ray machines in hospitals because the first X-ray machine that was built was sent up into space to look for um, X-ray signals from you know, certain types of objects in space. And only once it had been built and put in space, someone thought, oh, hey, that's a great idea. We should point that at bones. Wow. Now we have X-ray machines. Uh -huh. Very common. Yes, very common. So somewhere down the line, there will be a use that we don't even know yet. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's one of the reasons that space science, a lot of people go, why are you spending money on investigating things outside and not back on Earth? Um, and it's because... It's so difficult to do these studies with machinery that needs to be so sensitive that whenever we do make a milestone, the applications of even the process of getting there can be applied to so many things back on Earth. Mm. And yet because we don't know the discoveries, we don't actually know what we're going to find, we don't yet know how to put them into day-to-day -day life. Yeah, of course. Because it's such a new, new field every day. Could be the day. Yeah. But even if the outcome of the instrument doesn't make any discoveries, building mm. the instrument made discoveries. They had to totally redesign how any vibration material worked just to get it to work. Yes. And, you know, that's one thing alone. Yes. That, you know, even if they put millions and millions of dollars into this and it didn't work, you can take stuff out of it and say, we learnt this. Yes, that's right. And that's worth doing. 
Yes, of course. It, again, it's just fascinating. It takes me way back to where you began with your rehearsal versus versus the performance. Mm. You like the process of perfecting something, of discovering and finding out and trying again and again and again. Yes. And now as a astrophysicist, that's what you do. Yes, exactly. So you have found a way to take your passion and, in fact, your personality into something that is going to impact the world in a really significant way. Or maybe not, but the journey is worth having. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too fussed about changing the world, but yeah. I, just, I just want to learn it and know that I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, do you see then value if you learn it and know that you did, is there value then in sharing that somewhere along the line? Oh, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. You were telling me earlier that there is something that you are doing that I really appreciate because I'm one of the common folk who don't fully appreciate or understand what's going on out there. And you perhaps meet with community groups around um, telescopes, things that they're looking at the sky. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing yeah, in that area. sure thing. So there's a public observatory. Well, it's a community. You have to be a member, but it's a community organisation and we're all volunteers called Mount Burnett Observatory, which is in Emerald. Um, and I'm heavily involved up there um, helping education and planning and making the facility run as best it can. And what the observatory does is it offers memberships and public viewings. So a couple times a month we get 40, 50 people that come up and we have a range of telescopes and we show them the night sky I think for $20, which is a pretty good deal if you've got a family event, you know, you're taking the lunar parks like $200. <laughs> yes. um, but our main, our main goal is to educate the public and provide a space where people with this interest can um, put it into use, yes. I guess. Yes. I, I love that, that you're actually putting some words around, words that we would understand around what people are seeing and helping to trigger their um, interest and enthusiasm for what's out there. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah, it's it's whenever you show someone Jupiter through a telescope for the first time and they can see the bands and the red spot on it and the you can see sometimes there's a moon in front of Jupiter and you can see the shadow of the moon on Jupiter and it, it looks, you can see depth to it. Right. And it's just amazing and you get remarks from people saying, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's exciting and to be great. in there yeah. in that moment, isn't yeah. it? That's and being the one thing. that can provide that is yes. fantastic. That's great. That's really special. I wonder whether, because our, this podcast is called Inspired by Yarra, mm. I wonder, can you think back to your time, was there something, someone, an experience that inspired you while you were here at Yarra? To do what I'm doing now? Or just, or... just to get up the next day? Oh, um... I'm not sure if it was in such an obvious way, but I did have teachers that were great and I enjoyed going to their classes and learning, which I guess is the same thing. Mm. Yeah. And it's fostered this love of learning that you have, which is brilliant. Yeah, I just don't think I knew it for a while. Correct, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing, isn't it, that it's not sometimes not until we look back that we see the value of certain things people might have said or, or actions that they took and we go, actually, that was really significant. Yes, definitely. Didn't know it at the time. No. Mm. So a good example was I was very, very bad at English um, up until year 12. Right. So I did poorly and everyone, me, my parents, my teachers all thought, you're not going to get a good score in English in year 12. And that was that. Um, but then I had a fantastic teacher called Mr. Conlon 
And I didn't realise at the time, but my English scores in VCE skyrocketed. And I thought, oh, this is great. I didn't associate it with him, but Mm -hmm. he was so passionate about English and what we were learning and it just rubbed off. So I did very well. And that moment, I mean, probably a few years later, I looked back on it and I went, wow, you really, like anyone can learn anything, no matter how hopeless they are at it, if if they are genuinely inspired and interested in the topic. Yeah. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. I wonder if there's something that was important to you when you were at Yarra that's no longer important to you now. I think in high school I focused a lot on trying to be the best or comparing myself to others um, or just natural smarts, I think. You know, I'd, I'd look at a lot of the people that did better than me and go, oh, well, they've just, they were born with that. There's nothing I can do about it, but I don't do that anymore. Okay. Yeah. What have you learned since? I've, well, universities helped showed me for sure that it's not so much about um, just how naturally smart you are and, or, you know, luck, I guess. It's more about how much work you put in. Okay. So that matters. Sure. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So application, dedication, devotion, yeah. passion, mm. mm-hmm. all helps in fact, probably it's more important than natural ability. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, so it helped me to stop looking at people and just going, oh, they're better than me because it's out of my control. Yeah. You know, when people get to a higher level of education, they've done the work essentially. So if there's anyone I'm competing with in my class, which isn't the case because I try not to do that, but I admire them for the work they've put in rather than just saying, oh, well... They're just better than me because that's how the world is. The reason that they are is because they've done the work. Exactly. And that's something to admire about the person than resent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got uh, just a couple more quick questions as we uh, draw this fascinating interview to a close. And um, it's certainly uh, eye-opening for me and, uh, and I really appreciate the way that you've been able to look back a little bit and do some self-reflection on and over time you are working out who you are and what makes you tick and that's that is a beautiful thing um what does success mean to you i would say that success for me is giving everything a good shot really and just getting the most out of what i can with what i'm doing yeah 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 good i like it What's the best advice you ever received? Oof. I don't. I don't think I've ever gotten any advice I really listened to. <laughs> I, th- I think. Um, what do you wish you had listened to? What I oh, there's a lot of things <laughs> I wish I got told in school <laughs> or when I was younger. So perhaps then, maybe it, let's say we've got some students who might be tuning into this, or some parents who have children who are still at high school. Yeah. Um, what would be some guidance or tips or advice that you might offer to uh, our listening audience? Support your kids with whatever their interests are is the best thing. So so many people in my year level went to university just because they felt like they had to um, for whatever reason and they hated it and they're not there anymore. And I did the same thing really. I, I didn't want to go to Bandura RMIT. I thought I wanted to be an artist but got pushed into it so Mm. yeah I think being told that if you're really passionate about something and you love it 
you can make it work for you 100%. So don't just pick something because it has a nice cash at the end of the degree. That's very wise advice. Very wise advice. Do you have a a piece of equipment or a tool or an app that is part of your day-to-day or whether it's your studies or your hobbies that that is pretty cool piece of gear that you use or it look it might be as simple as a a, a pen because you um, like to write or it might be as sophisticated as one of these telescopes that can show the shadow from the moon in front of Jupiter what's a piece of whether it be technology or, or maybe it's even just a you know just a, a fairly ordinary piece of equipment that you like to use Ordinary piece of equipment. I reckon the mobile phone is the most underrated piece of technology ever. Okay, tell me more. So uh, this has probably been said by a lot of people and I got it. I copied, I'm copying this from a few people, but you can, anything you want to know in the world, you can just put in this and know. It's yeah. essentially like a super smart version of you you just carry around yeah. and people don't use it for that. No. But you can you can learn anything you want. If if you don't know how a TV screen works, you can just go to YouTube. How does a how does a plasma TV work? And in ten minutes, you can know how it works. So my my initial response to that was going to be, but is that making us less smart? Because we don't have to know stuff anymore because we can just find it out. And yet your interpretation of that is actually you can become more smart because it can help you to learn. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Definitely. So it's a, it's a helpful learning tool. I mean, what's the if it depends what you are saying learning is because um, by Googling something and reading it, you're learning it, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Because it goes into your head and then you understand it and then you've learned something. Yeah. So you're not so much discovering yep. that you would be, but you're still learning it. Sure, absolutely. I, th- I think they're extraordinarily powerful and, and you're right. There's nowhere, We're nowhere near tapping into the full power of that little device that we carry around yeah. with us every day. Yeah. No question. And and I guess it's another – and, look, I don't know the detail. We could probably look it up as to how we came to be able to carry that much information around with us. Um, but maybe it was a astrophysicist who uh, helped us get there. Yeah, probably something with – I mean, the drive for quantum computers is pushing, pushing this um, software smaller and smaller so we can carry it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. I wonder as we draw our, uh, our time together as, uh, to a close, whether there is a, um, an experience, perhaps a, a book, maybe there's a, a class, a place to go and visit, somewhere that you think is, is fundamentally important to the growth of young people mm-hmm. that you would strongly recommend if you ever get the chance, go and do this or see that or read that or watch that. What's one thing that you think you've got to have this as part of your fabric of life? In, find inspiration to be curious about things. Yeah, you can do it in many ways. You can, from YouTube, become curious about things. You can read books and become curious about things. You can go out and spend all day hiking and become curious about your environment, but... Just stay curious and don't be comfortable at being placid, I guess. 
Sometimes when I have these conversations with Yarra Old Grammarians, I write lots and lots. I haven't been able to write very much because I've been fascinated by what you've been sharing with us, so I'm grateful. There is one word that I did write down and I wrote the word curious Mm. from something that you had said earlier because I love what you live and breathe and speak about the importance of staying curious. Yes. Yeah. Alex Abradovic, thank you for your time from the class of 2014. Thank you for continuing to inspire the wider world as you bring some of the fascination of space a little closer to the everyday common folk like me. Thank you for the work that you do in there in, com- in community and, and helping people to pursue uh, an interest or a, just a twinge of an interest that they might have. Thanks that you are a, a curious young man who's going to uh, continue to learn and explore and be prepared to do in the hard work, the rehearsal, not so much looking for the adoration of, a, of the raving fans. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your contribution, not only to our school here at Yarra, but the inspiration that you are to so many people. Thank you very much for having me, Paul. Well, there you go. Another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And truly, I loved Alex's perspective on the importance of developing curiosity. He mentioned it really early in his, uh, in the interview, in our conversation, and then we came back to it towards the end as well. So critical. Both, I mean, I think children have a natural curiosity, but for whatever reason as life goes on maybe as we get more experienced or mature or but actually we lose that natural curiosity and so Alex has found a way to keep developing keep working keep inquiring of the world around him I think that's a beautiful attribute that he has he's a a fine young man and and a wonderful character from our Yarra history if you know of others who have a great story who have an interesting perspective to share. See, Alex was actually recommended to us as a, a story to share and an interview that would be worth having. So if you know an, another Yog, a Yarra or Grammarian, who you'd like to hear from, then please get in touch with us. You can email us at podcast at yvg.vic.edu.au. You can certainly find show notes and a whole range of other details about our podcast uh, under the community section of the Yarra Valley Grammar website www.yvg.vic.edu.au We'd love you to uh, subscribe, share this episode or any other episodes that you've found valuable because as you share it, it helps us to rank higher in the various um, algorithms that the, the various podcast apps have and as we rank higher, then more people get to hear about what we're up to here and uh, and hopefully that builds our community both of yogs and other interested listeners so thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in and listen to this podcast it's a privilege for me and the team to produce these each week one of the things that uh, alex did mention in there was uh, music and that while he enjoyed the rehearsal component of it, it's actually something that he has uh, unfortunately allowed to drop out of his uh, routine and his rhythm at the moment. But a little shout out here for another musician who is still practicing. She's actually a current student at Yarra Valley Grammar and it's a name that I think we're going to get to know uh, in the future even better. Sadie Musto is responsible for the little role of music that we have playing in the background even now and as we begin our show each episode. So a shout out to Sadie and the work that she does. Um, Her music talent is extraordinary. 
and we love to share all things Yarra, our current students and indeed our Yarra Old Grammarians. Please stay in touch. Please maybe look us, look us up on LinkedIn. You can find us on the website and all of the different social media channels. Uh, look for Yogs, Yarra Old Grammarians, and you can find out more about how to stay in touch. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you get out there and make a positive impact in the world around you.